This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Health Check, a podcast series by The Straits Times where we tackle health tips and the impact of national policies with expert guests. I'm Joyce Teo and my co-host is Ernest Lewis. Today we're going to talk about why teenagers need to sleep more. Our special guest today is Professor Michael Chi, the Director of the Centre for Cognitive Neuroscience at the Duke NUS Medical School. He's a prominent sleep expert who wants to change how we think about sleep. Hi, Prof Chi. Hello. So we all know that teenagers here do not get enough sleep, right? I mean, they have lots of things to do after school. So are they aware of the impact of insufficient sleep? I think many students are aware of this and they certainly are interested in how to deal with it. We get many requests every year for A-level projects about how to deal with short sleep. I think the challenge is that many of the students suggest solutions that involve sleep pods, vibrating beds, aromatherapy, but they skirt around the issue about how they could directly deal with the issue by improving their own sleep. Right, so... Actually, what can we do actually to make them sleep more? Well, there were three things identified in a study that we did with eight schools. Mm -hmm. And the three things that are the main determinants of sleep duration at night are parental intervention in setting bedtimes, number two, time spent on transportation, and number three, whether or not your school started later. And within this study of eight schools, we had three schools that started school later. So we're talking about primary schools or secondary schools? They're generally secondary schools. And my advice to policymakers is that if you have to change, the change is easier and more practically made in secondary schools. And this is for several reasons. One is that it's less disruptive because a lot of secondary school students already take public transport. About 50% of them take public transport. And this makes it easier. Secondly, there is actually a biological shift in the preferred sleep time to later, which makes starting school later logical in secondary school children. And the third thing is that because of the increased workload, staying up a little later, starting school later, allows the students to wake up slightly later and get more sleep. So what's the problem here? I mean, can it be the case where the schools just look at their own system and they don't have to worry about it on a national level? Or is, is it tied to the national level? That's why the Singapore schools, it's a bit more problematic for them to slightly change the starting times for them. A couple of points there. Firstly, mm. there is now good and increasing evidence, experimental evidence to support the case for starting school later as being beneficial. So that's very clear. Secondly, the, if some schools do it and others don't, then if you have kids in going to different schools, then sending your kid to school is problematic. So more schools should do it. If you're going to make a hop, make it significant at least an hour mm. because there's wastage in the what you can gain and you want to get as much benefit as you can from the uh, shift. But the main obstacle that people cite is the transportation issue. And I think that we are very creative and very goal-driven country. And if something is beneficial, it's going to help health and well-being, increase productivity and save in healthcare costs, we can do it. So I believe that giving the excuse that it is difficult to rearrange transport is something that maybe another country cannot surmount. But I believe Singapore can do it. We've done in everything else. We can do it in this area as well. And this is, I think, imperative for the future health and well-being of our citizens. So in the case of the international schools, uh, the three international schools... Two international schools and one local school. So this is with the intention that the teenagers can get at least a good 
eight to ten hours of nocturnal sleep? To be honest, I think seven to eight would be a good target for the upper teenagers, okay. upper secondary teenagers. I would add also that the UK Parliament used our empirical research to debate the value of starting school later. I believe that more parents and educators should enter the fray in discussing mm. this possibility. Right, and you were saying that for secondary, it works for secondary school kids because it's got something to do with their body clock as well? Yes. And not for primary school kids? I think for primary school kids, there is a very strong culture of parents wanting to send their kids personally to school because we've interviewed some parents and they say it's the only time they get to interact with their children because they're so busy earning a living. So I think it's going to be hard to shift that. But I think for the three reasons I outlined earlier, it really makes sense to do it for secondary schools. They stand to benefit the most. And if you're going to have to shift habits for impact, make sure it counts. And I think that's a good strategy. Okay, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to our series Health Check on Apple's iTunes or Google Podcasts or even on Spotify. And like us and give us a rating. Now back to our conversation with Professor Michael Chi. He's the director of the Center for Cognitive Neuroscience at the Duke NUS Medical School. Prof Chi, your latest study looked at how a full night's sleep versus a short night's sleep combined with an afternoon nap affects the cognition and glucose levels of adolescents. Can you tell us more about that? Yes. Yeah. First, I'd like to remind the listeners that we studied not a normal night of sleep, but a shortened night of sleep. So most Singaporean adolescents say they sleep on the average of six and a half hours a night on weekday nights. So we ask our questions. Firstly, can you actually sustain a credible and good vigilance performance with only six and a half hours a night of sleep? The recommended sleep duration is eight to 10, as you mm-hmm. heard, but yes. seven to eight is probably achievable and should be practical. So that was one reason. The second reason is, as you know, diabetes is a growing problem uh, in Singapore and short sleep increases your risk for diabetes. So we wanted to know how this schedule would affect the participants. The third thing is that a lot of students like to experiment or they think that alternative sleep schedules like sleeping at different times of day might be useful. So we wanted to try one of those and the practical one is just to take one main nocturnal sleep period and one nap. Mm. So what we found was that six and a half hours continuous at night isn't sufficient. Right. So despite what the students say, if you actually monitor them as we did with state-of-the-art equipment, you can't function on a sustained basis night after night with only six and a half hours of sleep on the average. That's interesting because a lot of our interns, they tell us that in the last, they're about like 17, 18, they come in and tell us that a lot of their friends, they sleep at about midnight or about 1 a.m. or even 2 a.m. and they get up by 6 a.m. And you're saying they cannot sustain this day after day, year after year. The average person can't. I mean, there are exceptional people who are genetically well-endowed. They biologically need less sleep, but most people can't. And the difference in our study is that we actively monitor the participants. So if they doze off, we wake them up. So Mm. what we think is happening every day is in class, as you see in every school, students are dozing off briefly and they sort of have a little catch-up there. So the first thing we found is that the... Continuous sleep is not sufficient. Secondly, the split sleep schedule actually work better for cognition. So in terms of vigilance, in terms of ability to encode memory and the ability to perform a test that's very specific for a certain part of the brain for memory function, splitting sleep generally is better for cognition. But the interesting thing, and it's a world first, is that we found that the split sleep schedule might be better for cognition, but it hurts your glucose levels. The continuous shortened sleep was better for glucose levels. And that was 
was exciting because the optimal duration of sleep might differ depending on the cause. So for cognition, it may be one level. For reduction of disease, it might be another. And we were the first to demonstrate that. Right. So the take-home message, though, is that nocturnal sleep is important. Getting continuous nocturnal sleep of more than six and a half hours. We are going to explore eight and eight split into six mm. and six and a half and one and a half later this year. And stay posted for those results. Okay. Okay, so, Prof Chi, um, what can, say, students do, you know, like during exam periods when you really don't have time to like sleep your seven to nine hours at night? I'm going to answer that question indirectly yeah. and say this. Professional athletes, for example, soccer players, you know, their livelihood is about being able to perform intensely, just mm -hmm. like a student taking exam. And professional athletes now, they hire sleep coaches, they pay for five-star hotel rooms, comfortable bedding, and mm -hmm. they time their sleep before matches, key matches, because they want to perform optimally. And if people whose living and success critically mm -hmm. depends on uh, performing well, invest in sleep, I think as a student, you can do so too as well with similar results. Right, but does it help, say, okay, you do that before the exam, but before, say, uh, two weeks before the exam, does it help to bank out on sleep? If you're going to be sleep-deprived during the exam period, some degree of sleep banking before will help. But my preferred strategy would mm -hmm. be to build in adequate sleep as part of your routine, just as with the professional sports persons, because every league match is an mm -hmm. important match. So it's woven into the fabric of how they live so mm -hmm. that it's always an ingredient that is there to serve as a performance booster. So I think if you think that way, you don't think of sleep as something that you have to do reluctantly to improve mm -hmm. performance. It's part, it's an integral part just as you pay attention to diet or exercise. Right, thanks Prof G. So well, that's a wrap for Health Check. We hope you like this latest healthy living tips. Do subscribe to Health Check on Apple's iTunes or on Google Podcast or even on Spotify and like us and give us a rating. That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstimes.com and bt.sg.